Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast. I'm Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is coming out soon and available to pre-order in all the usual places. In the meantime, join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. It's October at last, and my regular listeners will know that my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is coming out this month. So this episode provides a sneak preview to some of the advice in the book. I've invited my colleague and friend, Christine Bird, of the excellent White Heart Clinic to interview me today, because I'd like you to get the perspective of another health professional. Christine is a chartered women's health physiotherapist and features in season one, talking about bone health. She's a stickler for a proper evidence-based approach, so if she approves, then it's definitely a good sign. I know she'll take her usual forensic approach to questioning me, so you can be sure to get an objective inside track on the book. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Their wonderful product can transform your intimate life, because one of the midlife symptoms we don't often talk about is vaginal dryness. It can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause, causing itching, discomfort and painful sex. So I'd like to say a big thank you to them, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Silk's plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract, which is a natural lubricant. It's water-based and pH-friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation, helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boot stores. Visit silk, S-Y-L-K dot co dot U-K to order your free sample. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Christine Bird and your host on the Happy Menopause for today. I'm really excited to be chatting to Jackie about a new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish. I can tell you, smart it is. So Jackie and I have known each other for a few years now. First time I met Jackie is when she was speaking at a public menopause event. It was alongside academics, government, public health experts, gynecologists. She was the last to speak. Kirsty from Newsnight was hosting the event. It was quite a big event. And by the time Jackie had that turn, her time was reduced to, I think, only 50 minutes. And she immediately pivoted and she managed to make the biggest impression with her message on the night. So after that uh, is when I got in touch with Jackie to speak at an event a couple of months later. I was speaking at, and basically, Jackie, I think the rest is history, isn't it? We've been menopause buddies ever since. I've heard Jackie's down-to-earth and workable nutrition and lifestyle advice many, many times at the events. And every time I learn something new, as one of the lucky ones to receive an advanced copy of the book, I've been prepping my questions for today. And Jackie, I was so excited to first open your fabulous, fun, and colorful looking book. It's great news that we can now share your knowledge and recommend your book to our patients and our colleagues, offering all those golden nuggets of nutritional wisdom. So let's hear what she's got to say. This time, it's Jackie as a guest on the other side of the table. So Jackie, welcome to the Happy Menopause. 
Thank you, Christine. It's great to be a guest. I can't believe it. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so strange, isn't it? And it's so strange for me to be asking the question. I'm, I'm ready for it. Tell us your story. What's your background and how did it lead to where you are now? Okay, well, I wasn't always a nutritionist. My original degree was French. And so after I graduated, I went to, to live and work in France. And in fact, I, I stayed there for, for 13 years. And when I look back, I mean, much as I loved it, I was in sales and marketing for TV and film rights, publishing and so on. And it was really exciting and fun. But I think the big impact that France had on me, which I, I think I only realise now looking back, is my approach to food. I think I think I really learned how to eat in France because before that I was really quite a picky eater and didn't have a very broad range of foods. And then I was sort of plummeted into France in my third year of studies, invited by all the teachers because I was I was a student teacher in a school um, and invited to, to their homes to eat. And obviously I, you eat what's put in front of you. And, and it was such a broad range of different foods. And I, I really, I think, learned so much about how very simple food cooked really well can be amazing. You know, something as simple as, you know, a grated carrot salad with you know, a really great carrot and a really amazing dressing can be a thing of beauty. I saw it. That's so interesting, isn't it? Because the French, I think, sort of discovered mindful eating before mindfulness was discovered. Yes. And all yes, things, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the importance of, you know, really good quality food and, and also cooking from scratch. And I think that's what shocked me when I moved back to the UK, which was in the year 2000, when I, I got promoted to a different role and I moved to London. And I, I was really shocked by all the supermarkets that just had so many ready meals in there and aisles and aisles of them. And I just thought, has everyone forgotten how to cook? And I, I think all my time in France really sort of inspired me. I'd always enjoyed cooking, but it, it helped me to sort of understand how food works. And yeah. so from there, really, I, I just think I, I always had a, a lifelong interest in food that was really sparked from France. No, that, that, that makes sense, really. That's, uh, so what inspired you to actually study nutrition? Obviously, interest in food and liking eating is something slightly different. <laughs> to, <laughs> well, it is. And in, that case, in that case, I've got a very strong interest in nutrition. Well. <laughs> I like food. Well, it's funny you say that. I think a lot of people go to study nutrition because they have some kind of health issue. You know, perhaps they've had chronic fatigue syndrome or they've been touched by someone in their family who's been ill and they've looked at nutritional approaches. And that wasn't that wasn't my my route at all. Um, mm. I remember the very first seminar uh, when I was studying where we were asked to explain our background and why we'd chosen to study nutrition. And everyone had a really interesting story. And my story was just that, you know, I really liked food. <laughs> The thing that really inspired me was a spa holiday that I went on, which was in the Atlas Mountains. It was absolutely beautiful. They had their own chef, their own nutritionist. They brought in their own yoga teachers and so on. Uh, it was called Inspa. And I remember, I knew that it was alcohol and caffeine free, but I hadn't realized it was wheat and dairy free because I didn't read the small print. And I didn't yeah. actually notice till about the Wednesday when someone happened to mention it because the food had been so amazing. And over that period of time, I hadn't been ill, but I had been very busy, very stressed, probably quite overwrought. And by the end of sort of five days there, I felt like a completely different woman. And it really inspired me to realize how in a short space of time, the right kind of, of food, the right approach can make a massive difference to the way you feel. 
And, you know, I remember coming home from that trip and it was a long journey. We had to go back via Casablanca for some reason. So it took about seven hours. And I remember coming home and sort of climbing the stairs to my flat. And instead of feeling exhausted, I threw down my bag and said, right, now I'm off for a swim. And I thought, you know, who is this woman? It was, and it really made a big difference to me. So I remember looking at the website, looking at the various nutritionists they had, and they all seemed to have the same qualification, which was called the Dip Ion at the Institute for Optimum Nutrition. Checked out the course description, and it was like a light bulb moment. I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's going to be my next thing. So within six months, I'd given up my job. I'd gone back to school. I was walking into my first chemistry lesson in the September, which really terrified me. And I studied nutrition for four years and graduated in 2010 when I set up my clinic. That's great. I'm glad you did. And so following on from that, so postgraduately, what led you to specialize in women's health and the menopause in particular? Well, I started out as a generalist, partly probably because I wanted to try and, and look at, you know, broaden my knowledge as much as possible. But, you know, my own age came into play. I mean, I was 44 when I graduated. And so, you know, I was moving without knowing it. I was moving into the perimenopause. And <laughs> I, I started to work with a lot of women who were also of an age. I think because I had a corporate background, I attracted a lot of professional women. And because I did a lot of corporate workshops, they would come to my clinic. And I just realized that so many of them were perimenopausal and didn't really realize it. And there wasn't enough information out there. And these women didn't know what was going on with their own bodies. And I just thought, you know, I... I need to start specialising. I need to start spreading the word and really focusing on, on the menopause and looking at the different ways that nutrition can make a huge difference to you and your and your menopause symptoms. Yeah, that's great. And you, you do that so well. It's so good to see momentum so between all of us in, in different professions. And it's just great to be part, part of that. So let's talk nutrition, Jackie. So what can you, you know, can... What you eat really make that much difference to hormone balance and menopause symptoms? Yes. <laughs> yes, is the short answer. Absolutely. Um, you know, nutrition is the building blocks of our body. You know, we're, we're made of food, essentially. And it's not just that you are what you eat. You are what you absorb. It's what you take into your body. So... Uh, the, essentially, you know, the body takes the food that we eat, you know, converts it, combines it with oxygen and then converts it into the energy, which our cells use for all the different bodily functions we need. So if you're eating the right kinds of foods that support those key systems, then of course, you're going to feel completely different than if you're eating all manner of rubbish or having a very erratic diet, and you're not giving your body the building blocks to do the job. You know, it's, it's just the same as having a really high performance car because make no mistake about it human body is an amazing thing it's proper high performance and you've got to make sure it's got all the fuel that it needs and the really top grade fuel so yeah eat the right food and it will make a huge difference to you and your symptoms yeah that's great and i think what i really like about the book and, and generally the way you work you have such a common sense approach to this as well so it's nothing too complicated or, or overwhelming but uh, so how Jackie, would you sum up your excellent book for the listener? Is it a diet book? What, what can they expect? Oh, thank you, Christine. <laughs> Is it a diet book? No, it's not. It's really not a diet book because, 
you know, first of all, aren't we a bit sick of diet books? But also because a one size fits all approach just simply won't work with the menopause. You know, the symptoms are many and varied and no two women have the same experience. I see that in my clinic every day. So it's not a diet book with a, a prescriptive eating plan. Because, you know, women in midlife, we usually know how to cook and we definitely know what we like to eat. So what I've tried to do is provide the tools and the information so that women can build their own menopause diet based on their specific symptoms and then the relevant evidence-based nutrition and lifestyle approach. So essentially, you can go straight to the area that affects you. You know, if you're the anxiety one or the, the low mood one, you can go to that section. Or if you're the hot flush woman or the headache woman, you can go to the other section and look at something that's really relevant to you. So it features lots of foodie tips. And essentially, you can then make your existing favorite recipes just more menopause friendly by adapting them slightly. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great. Well, I really love it. It's a chapter that you've called if you only do one thing. So I'm aware of your magic formula, formula you're talking about, especially as it's something we can all totally do. So without giving too much away, what's the one thing women can do to relieve menopause symptoms? Well, it's really all about stress. And anyone who's listened to this podcast regularly will know I'm always going on about stress. Because stress is the big factor when it comes to our, to our menopause symptoms. Because I think it's it's really important to remember that you know, the menopause is not... It's not a medical condition. It's not an illness. Women have been going through the menopause for millennia. And uh, unsurprisingly, because back to this notion of a high-performance car, you know, Mother Nature had a plan. She didn't just abandon us to our menopause. So as our ovaries start to decline with their, their estrogen production, the adrenal glands take over. Now, the adrenal glands are two small peanut-shaped glands that sit just above the kidneys. And their job is to produce the small amounts of estrogen in a weak form that we need postmenopause to keep fit and healthy. The trouble is that the adrenal glands also produce our stress hormones, you know, the cortisol, adrenaline, and so on. Now, Midlife is a hugely stressful time. I think it's probably the most stressful time of a woman's life, you know, because if it's a professional woman, you've probably moved up the ladder and have more responsibility at work. If you've got kids, you've probably got either the fabulous clash of the hormones in the household with uh, where menopause hits puberty, um, or you might be oh, worrying yeah. about supporting them through university. I mean, you, know, you never stop worrying about your children, do you? Um, you may be looking after elderly relatives, you know, not for nothing. Are we called the sandwich generation? And then, of course, one of the things that happens as we move into menopause and as the um, reproductive hormones start to decline, that frees up a whole load of space because for years we've been programmed to reproduce, to nurture. And suddenly, with the decline of those hormones, the space, the space to start thinking about ourselves. So lots of women also are asking themselves a lot of questions in midlife, whether it be, am I in the right job and is it time for me to change? Uh, am I in the right relationship? Am I living where I want to live? Am I living my life the way I want to live it? So lots of stuff going on in our heads, all this pressure going on. And that's going to be generating huge amounts of stress hormones. And so the problem here is that 
when it comes down to it, the stress hormones will take precedence and the adrenal glands will focus on producing that stress response. So the estrogen doesn't even get a look in. So essentially, the more stressed you are, the more your menopause symptoms are going to manifest and, and the more severe they're likely to be. So really, really working on stress is incredibly important. Now, this chapter that I talk about, if you only do one thing, it's really the, the nutrition 101 approach to, to stress because, you know, I can't take away your stress. I, if I could, I'd be a millionaire if I could wave my magic wand and, you know, yeah. remove stress. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great, Christine? <laughs> I can't do that. But what I can do is help women understand how to regulate their body's response to stress so that the food that they eat can underpin that, make you more equipped to cope with the challenges of daily life so that you feel sort of calmer and, and better able to manage. So that's what that chapter is all about. And essentially, it's looking at the different ways that foods can do that. And one of the obvious ways, which is one you'll have heard me talk about a million times, is balancing your blood sugar and keeping that, that, that blood sugar well under control. Yeah, and that's also what I meant. It's something we can all totally do without making any sort of freaky or weird changes to our diets. And it's so reassuring that that's something we can we can do. So it's, a, it's an empowering chapter. I also really like the pick and mix approach in in the symptoms section. So, what do you think are the most underestimated symptoms of the menopause? Ah, oh, well, I mean, honestly, I'd probably say all of them except hot flushes and stopping periods because yeah. that's what most women know about the menopause. It's what I knew. I knew yeah. that one day my periods would stop and I'd get hot flushes. Uh, actually, kind of neither of those things really happened. <laughs> it was a very different yeah. story for me. And that's the thing with, with lots of different women. I think the biggest surprise is probably the, the perimenopause time, which is that premenopausal phase, which can last for years. And for most women, it's yeah. sort of your mid to late 40s. Because the first, the first hormone to decline is usually progesterone. And that's the one that can generate a lot of the emotional symptoms, the anxiety, the low mood, the brain fog. And I think that takes a lot of women by surprise because, you know, they're often still having periods. So they think, well, it can't be the menopause. You know, am yeah. I going mad? Is it early onset Alzheimer's? And it's a really, really stressful time. And depending on your GP, sometimes GPs are amazing and they know what's going on. Some GPs aren't as well up in the menopause. So it can make life very difficult if you roll up there with these problems and and then you're given antidepressants and there's been some very interesting research out there to show that in numerous cases antidepressants have been recommended when in fact a hormonal approach would have been much more appropriate for the women concerned so i think those emotional uh, ones are the ones that are probably the most underestimated because they come much earlier than you might think and they're not what you expect you know you're not you're not having a hot flush you're not your periods aren't getting lighter but suddenly there's all this other emotional go stuff going on so i think that's a big one no i agree and i think it's so important for women to realize that it, you know it needs specific treatments and specific specific care that it's not an emotional issue or a stress issue there's also a neurological and, and hormonal uh, background to, to absolutely this. So they, understand, they understand the backdrop and for yourself Jackie how was the menopause for you <laughs> well the other thing I was going to say is there are lots of other weird weird symptoms as well now the menopause for me was it was a big surprise because I didn't particularly get the emotional symptoms and I really didn't get the hot flushes. My, my big issue was the, was the period havoc. I had a lot of flooding in the perimenopause. And then uh, quite an unusual symptom was uh, regular projectile vomiting for about 
you know, a fixed two hour period on day one of, of my of my bleed. And um the GP had never come across that before. It was it was quite an unusual thing and yeah, I think they, they were a little concerned. Yeah. But yeah, it, it simply Yeah, no. It was very unpleasant. I mean luckily yeah, I was mainly incredible. working from home. But mm. once or twice I was caught out I remember once being caught out in a tube station and having to rush off the train and find what was a really quite horrible toilet in the tube station, which was most unpleasant. But funnily enough, you know, sometime later it occurred to me to mention it to my mum and she said that she'd had exactly the same thing. And then I remembered back to teenage years and at the time she described it as migraine because you know, we didn't really yeah. talk about that stuff then. But it was such a relief to realise, oh, my goodness, you know, it's there's nothing really wrong with me. This is something that's coming as part of my hormonal changes. So that was how I was affected mainly. But I think one of the other things to, to remember is that there are all manner of weird symptoms, things like dry skin. I'd always had quite, quite sort of oily skin, if anything. And suddenly, you know, my face was looking quite flaky or lots of women get itchy skin, itchy legs at night. It's a condition mm. called pruritus, which is linked to the hormone imbalance that comes with perimenopause or your hair becoming thinner. Suddenly you're losing, you know, chunks of hair going down the plug hole. So l lots and lots of disparate symptoms. And that's why I wanted to talk about the pick and mix approach in, in, this, in, the, in the book, because it's very, very different for different women. So it's nice to be able to go and look and find the thing that's particularly relevant to you if you're not sort of the classic hot flush person. No, it's true. And you do that very clear in your book. It's very nicely sort of laid out that, you know, the skin, the hair, the, so it's, it's an easy reference book to use as well. As well. So it's sort of also the big question that we always get asked at events as well. But what is your view on HRT? Is it yes, no, maybe? Um, this is such a common question. So I'm sure our listeners would like your views on this as well. Yes, HRT, hormone replacement therapy. I think I, it's not something I've chosen to, to take, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's right. I just think, think it's not right for me. And I think yeah. that's the most important thing when it comes to this time of our life. It's all about choice and information. And I think it's really important that every woman should know all the options. I think she should know exactly what... Um, hormone replacement therapy entails, what the different options are, because you know, it doesn't have to be a pill. In fact, it's much more common now to have gels or patches um, yeah. that it may be absolutely the right thing for them, particularly, I think, if you're having some of those early emotional symptoms. And I think especially for women who are predisposed to anxiety and depression in any case, sometimes you know, there's only so much that food can do. Um, yeah. e equally, um, you may find that you're one of the women that, that the smaller percentage of women who have absolutely no symptoms. So it's, I think it's one of those things where it's not right for everyone, but it could be right for you. And it's really important that you're able to know what's right for you so you can look at the options, decide. So you should speak to your GP. You should understand what's going on. You should take a bit of responsibility and maybe read the nice guidelines from the NHS website so you know exactly what's recommended. And then from a, a, a diet and lifestyle perspective, it, it's huge because if you don't decide to have HRT, then getting that diet and lifestyle right is absolutely crucial. 
But if you do decide to take HRT, it's also crucial because wonderful though it is, and, and you may find that it's something that makes a big difference to you, it will only work if you've got the diet right, because otherwise, you know, it can only go so far. So I think it's very much about women knowing what's right for them and not going into things blind. Absolutely. It's the it's a benefit versus risk analysis. And yeah. you can only do that with good information available. To, exactly to, right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Because I think we have to think, and I know you feel strongly about this, about the long-term impacts of the menopause. It's not just about this fixed period, sorry, no pun intended, yeah. this fixed yeah. stage where you have various symptoms. That lower levels of estrogen in the body has longer-term impacts, for example, on bone density it can also increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. So it's about weighing up the risks and benefits, thinking about your family history, what's relevant, um, and which factors may come into play when you're making that decision. But I think the big one as well, and, and I'm sure you'll have plenty to say on this, is topical estrogen in the vagina is something that women may choose to do, even if they don't want to look at hormone replacement therapy as, as a medical approach. Because it's probably, I know you know this better than I do, but isn't it, the, the, aren't there more estrogen receptors in the, in the vagina than anywhere yeah. else? Bladder, so genital and bladder tissue is the sort of tissue in your body that needs more estrogen than any other tissue. If we sort of compare estrogen like water to the garden, it's the one plant that needs the most, the most water. And topical vaginal estrogen, also in terms of benefit versus risk, there are no known risks. So topical vaginal estrogen can be very beneficial for a lot of women because vaginal atrophy symptoms can be very, very miserable. So absolutely. I'm so glad that you touched on that. And I also think in your book, the bone health and the also more long-term factors of low estrogen you cover, you cover so well. So this is not just a book about nutrition, the overview of all the different signs and symptoms uh, that a lot of nutritional publications may miss out on are absolutely there. And also the fact that you introduce it like a pick and mix um, as, as the rest of life, it's an experiment, isn't it? <laughs> so we do have to experiment and make sure we get it right, right for ourselves. And I really think you give the reader an opportunity to make those decisions for themselves. Oh, thank you. That's great to hear. Yeah. So what do you think are the most common mistakes women make with their diet? Well, I think in midlife, uh, there are a few classic mistakes. I think, first of all, we are a bit of a generation who want the quick fix. So we, we can easily be suckered into a weird crash diet that promises the earth and actually, um, you know, takes you nowhere. So I think one of the things I'd be saying is don't, you know, don't do weird stuff, basically, because this time of life more than any other, perhaps other than puberty, is the time where women need to be getting all the right nutrients, all the balance of the macros, so the, the protein, the fats, and yes, the carbohydrate, despite the bad press they get. I mean, if you think about it, if you have teenage children, you will no doubt be making sure they eat really as well as you can possibly make them, because that period of time as they work through puberty is such a hugely important time for the body. And it's no different for menopause. It's a massive transition phase. So you need to be thinking about yourself and taking care of yourself. So thinking about a really good, broad, balanced diet would be the first thing you need to consider because uh, often we get suckered into lots of different weird diets where you're eliminating major food groups at the very time when your body needs it most. So I think that's one. 
I think that that can then lead to, for example, lots of women following a low fat diet, partly because weight management is such a big deal with the menopause and lots of women are really concerned that suddenly you know, the weight seems to be creeping on, particularly around the middle. So they immediately eliminate all fat from their diet on the assumption that eating fat will make you fat. You know, poor old fat, it, it really needs a new PR company. It, it, if it wasn't called fat, we wouldn't sort of make that obvious mistake. Now, obviously, you eat too much of any food, it will eventually make you fat. But the bigger culprit, generally speaking, is, is sugary foods, refined carbohydrate, because the body has a very fast mechanism for turning that into, into fat cells. So we need fat. Fat does great stuff. You know, It helps us to make hormones. If we didn't eat saturated mm. fat, we couldn't make sex hormones. You know, the human race would die out. So the time of life when you need to be producing the hormones is, you know, is right now. So don't go for a, a low-fat diet. Think about making sure you're having your full-fat hummus, full-fat yogurt. You're really getting the good quality fat in your diet. And I think the other big mistake women make is not eating enough protein. You know, men are brilliant at eating protein. You know, they know they need it for their muscles. We need it for our muscles too because, you know, post-menopause, we've probably lost around 40% of our muscle mass. We need protein to make build bones. The human body is made of protein. So if we're not eating enough protein, we can't recreate and regenerate those cells. It's all about growth and repair. We need protein to balance our blood sugar. It helps to reduce sugar cravings. So anyone who's worrying about um, weight management will be interested in that. And it was really interesting when I was chatting to Dr. Sharon Wong in last month's uh, podcast about hair. She said that actually it's when she does the blood tests um, for people who are struggling with hair loss, yeah, the men almost never have nutrient deficiencies, whereas the women nearly always do because we're we're doing weird stuff. We're cutting out you know, the protein when we need it. So I think getting that balance of macros right is really important. And it's a big mistake that a lot of women make. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, so it's, it's protein in every meal. I've heard you sort of talk about this during the events. Absolutely. And dinner, isn't it? That's, um, so Jackie, in terms of you know, where you are and how we can find you. Where is your clinic? And are you working on anything special at the moment? Well, um, my clinic's normally in Notting Hill in London, but um, it's online, so it's anywhere you want it to be right now. Um, and uh, I'm really consolidating what I'm doing because, of course, launching the book, which comes out next week, is the big thing right now. Obviously, this podcast has become a proper labor of love. Um, and I'm really looking forward to carrying on with that. I've got some great guests lined up for future episodes. I'm still doing lots of webinars all about the, the menopause. And of course, the heart of what I do is my clinic that working with individual women who are looking for a real bespoke approach to support them through the menopause and support their health and well-being. So more of the same, I suppose, is probably what I'd say, yeah. Yeah, well, I would uh, applaud that. So how can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do or, or book in with you? They can go to my website, which is well-well.co.uk. They can follow me on social media. I'm at wellwellwelluk. Best of all, they could go to their favourite online retailer and buy the Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish. Yeah, great. But so finally, from all the things you've learned and all the clinical expertise you have, what are the top two tips for women going through the menopause? This was a tough one, but I think, it, first of all, back to protein, I'd say eat protein with every meal and snack. You've heard me say it so many times, Christine. Yep. It makes such a difference. So what do I mean by protein? I mean 
the standard animal proteins, meat, fish, eggs, certain concentrated forms of dairy like cottage cheese or, or authentic Greek yogurt are particularly good sources of dairy protein. And then the plant proteins. So things like lentils, chickpeas, beans, uh, soya, particularly fermented soya like tempeh uh, or miso is, is very good, or nuts and seeds, quinoa. So having protein with every meal and snack and really start to think about how you can factor that in. I promise you, you'd feel like a whole new woman if you start doing this. So that's the first one. Yeah. And the second one is much broader. I'm going to ask you all to be kind to yourself because this is just a, you know, this is a tough time of life. It's, it's, it's a huge physical, physiological and emotional and psychological transition. So don't expect the same level of um, activity from yourself. You know, give yourself a break, give yourself a rest, manage your schedule, stop saying yes to everything, feel empowered to say no, manage your diary so you've got some me time. Um, think about doing consciously relaxing things like going out for a walk in the park or by the river, um, having a massage, having a lovely magnesium sulfate, Epsom salts bath, taking time out for you because you will reap massive benefits from that. It will really help to calm your stress levels so that you feel better able to cope and so that your poor old adrenal glands have got a chance to produce some of the estrogen you need so that you feel better all round. So I think those would be my top two tips. Well, that's lovely. Basically, you've now given us all permission to, to you know, to look after ourselves and that extreme self-care you know, was always important in life, but through the menopause becomes so much more important. I love that. Well, Jackie, I can't believe we're coming to an end already. Two things I like to mention, which I love so much about your book, that it's written in a truly holistic way. So how many books do you see on the shelf that are nutritional books, but they also cover sex, vagina health, continence? And of course, as a women's health surgeon, I'm delighted <laughs> about that. <laughs> you really, you really are a true collaborator. And I think, I think that's, that is rare. So women who buy this book will get so much more out uh, of it that they think they're getting. And secondly, it's also accessible and easy. It's a nice read, as well as a good reference book to keep coming back to later, because the way you've laid it out with all the different food types, it, it really is a proper, proper reference book. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been really interesting to discuss the book with you. And I know it's going to be incredibly useful for any woman going through the menopause I know not just this podcast, but I know that writing this book has been a labor of love for you. You've put so much into it, and I have no doubt that women will get so much out of it. Oh, Christine, thank you so much. It means a lot to hear you say that. It's it's wonderful to hear. I, It is a labor of love for me. I'm really proud of it, and it's great to hear your feedback. So thanks very much for chatting to me and helping me tell oh, everyone all you. about my lovely book well i look forward to seeing you at our next event together oh, thank you so much thank you jackie bye-bye i hope you enjoyed your introduction to the happy menopause book tune in for part two where i share my top 10 favorite nutrition tips to help you through the menopause it's going out on sunday the 18th of october which is world menopause day so keep an eye out for that if you can't wait that long, then pre-order your copy of the book via your favourite online retailer and make sure it hits your doormat on publication day. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. 
It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.